0: Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Open up your Bibles if you brought them tonight to the book of Genesis. I was praying this afternoon and just had a a good time with the Lord, and this passage of Scripture came up in my heart as well as a particular story. And so I figured that would be a good jumping off place. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look here in verse number one. This is where Abraham is introduced. Uh, to us, God speaks to him, and this is what we're talking about on Sunday nights, is we serve a God who speaks, and we are a people who hear, amen? amen? Amen. How many of you know God's your father and wants to speak to you? Um, he is your shepherd, and you are the sheep, and Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Why don't you say this with me? Say, I, I, I know, know his voice. Amen. Amen. Jesus is speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Um, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. Paul said, may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Uh, the problem is not God not speaking. The problem is, not us, is us not listening and knowing it's him when he is speaking. Because from Genesis to Revelations, the Holy Spirit is speaking to his church. You see him here speaking to Abraham and Revelations. You see him speaking to every single church in the book of Revelations with specific messages for their life. Um, And so that begins with this, is, is you have to believe that you have a God who is speaking to you, who has a plan for you, and who is guiding you. Um, And there is someone in Abraham that is a crucial player in the kingdom of God. And so God arrests his attention in a pretty spectacular way and gives him specific instruction. And let's look at it here. Genesis 12 and verse number one. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. How many of you know sometimes you got to leave stuff? Amen. You can't hold on to it. He said, you've got to leave your relatives and leave your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I will curse and in you will all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Uh-oh. Go back up to verse number one. "Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house." Verse four. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken. But Lot went with him. Now, Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from, from Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his nephew and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired in Haran and set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. And Abram passed through the land as far as the, the site of the S place and the oak of Moriah. Now the Canaanite was then in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, "To you and your descendants I will give this land." So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent uh, with Bethel on the east and Ai on uh, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of his God. Now watch this in verse uh, chapter thirteen, verse number one. So Abram went up from Egypt uh, to Negev and his wife and all that belonged to him, and Lot was with him. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold, and he went on a journey from Negev as far as to Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. We just read about that, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar. Sometimes you got to go back to the altar. He went back to the altar which he had made there formerly and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who went with Abram. Do you see the growing... Sometimes things will try to go with you. You just got to cut off. Because every time the Bible talks about Lot, it it, it talks about how it just went with him. Just certain things that go with you. Wherever you go, there you are. And, And God is trying to address something here. Because it's about to cause some issues. Now, watch this. Uh, Lot, verse 5, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, and the land could not sustain them while they were dwelling together, for their possessions were so great. How many of you know there's problems and there's quality problems? This is a quality problem. Their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together, and there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdmen of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanite and the Perizzite were dwelling in the land too. Now watch Abram, and I want you to notice his value system here. Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, For we are brothers. Now the enemy is always trying to stir up strife, especially among family, friends, nations, politics. Wherever you see strife, there he is. God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. When you see strife you see the devil. James said, where there is strife, there is every evil work. Because where strife is, there he is. And so we'd be wise to do what Abraham did and to come and say, there will be no strife in my life. I will not allow it in my home. I will not allow it on my staff. I will not allow it in my church. I will not allow it on the worship team. I will not allow strife. Let there be no strife between me and you or between your herdsmen or my herdsmen. And so he puts an end to the strife, and the way he does it is preferring Lot. Uh, Is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. Now, let's just stop here. Is this not the original thing that God asked Abraham to do in the first place? Is to separate yourself from your family and your relatives. Like, separate this. And so he's finally making a decision to do what God originally told him to do. I said, he's finally making a decision to do what God originally told him to do. He's finally making a decision to do what God had originally put on his heart to do. To stop making excuses and to start making changes. And out of this, he tells him, Separate from me. If to the left, I'll go to the right. To the right, I'll go to the left. Now Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the valley of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, going up to Zorah. So Lot chose for himself. In, in essence, he took. You're either a taker or a giver. you got to make a decision which one you want to be. Um, and he took. Abraham gave. Lot chose for himself... He thought only about what was best for him. All the valley of Jordan and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan. And Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tents as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. Now watch this in verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham... And I've got this underlined and in parentheses and comments to the side. The Lord said to Abraham, After. The Lord said to Abraham, After Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all the land which you see I will give it to you and your descendants forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and the holy reading of it. And we thank you that it will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, speak to us specifically and as individuals what we are to see from your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now notice verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after... Lot had separated from him. Now, lift up your eyes. There were things in Abraham's ears God wanted to say that he didn't say until something was out of his life. And there were things that God wanted to show Abraham's eyes that his eyes couldn't see while that thing was still in his life. And when Abraham made a decision to fully obey the Lord, it opened up his ears to hear what God was trying to say, and it opened up his eyes to fully see what God wanted him to see. Do you see that in scripture? After, after Abraham separated himself from Lot, in essence, it wasn't enough for him to wait for Lot to leave him. Abraham was given the command to separate himself from Lot, and until he did, God took him as far as he could go. But when he made a decision to fully obey the Lord and to finish the last word, God gave him the next word. When the last word was fully listened to and obeyed, it opened up the word for the next word. And it opened up his eyes for the next thing. Does this, does this make sense? How many of you know in Matthew 25, it tells us that God tests us with a little to see if he can give you the much. And that if you're not faithful with what he's put in your hands, he's not going to give you the next thing. And when with Abraham, and I'm sure he didn't mean to be, he came by it honest, he was being unfaithful. He had something that God was dealing with his heart to do that he wasn't willing to adjust. He wasn't willing to make the tough call. And as long as that thing was in his life, it didn't make God love him any less or love him any more when he got rid of him. God loves you all the time, all the time, always in spite of your attitude, actions or behavior. But as long as this thing was in his life, it was stopping his eyes from seeing the next thing. And stopping his ears from hearing the next thing. Now this came up in my heart today. I was praying. Just praying for this service. And as always, I study to show myself approved. I handwrite every message and memorize it. It doesn't matter if it's for Sunday morning, Sunday night, message to my staff, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm never going to be ashamed of my work. Study to show yourself approved, Paul wrote to Timothy, a workman who needs not uh, to be ashamed. I never want to be ashamed of this. So you prepare like there is no Holy Spirit, but you speak like that's all there is. You lean on him to see what he wants said in a service. So when all that's done, it's like, is there anything else? I'm willing to throw out any plan I made to pick up any plan you have. Uh, So out of that, um, I just was praying today, and a story came up in my heart. There's a a minister years ago in the 1950s. um, He was preaching, and he was coming down the steps, and when he did, he stumbled and he fell, and he hurt his arm in a bad way. Um, And he could feel it. You know, he knew it was messed up, and so, you know, service was ending, and, you know, he's trying to play it cool, but they get in the car, and he said, I need to go to the doctor. Like, I, I hurt my arm. So they're on the way to the, you know, emergency room and that kind of thing. And while they're driving, he said the the Holy Spirit spoke to him in the car. Now, we just got finished, you know, reading that God speaks. If you're new to church like this, it's okay. Just stick around and you'll understand what we mean by some of these things. But he said it just came into his heart. The Holy Spirit began to deal with him. Um, That what happened to him there was not just an accident. It didn't have to happen. Now, there's some stuff that is just an accident. It genuinely is just an accident. We live in a cursed world. And out of that, uh, God will redeem it one day. But until then, there's just mess that happens. And out of that, we, we walk through it and we use our authority. But then there's some times where we give place, where we give place to the devil. And Paul wrote in the New Testament, give him no place. Don't give the devil place in your life. And the Lord, he said it came into his heart. The Lord began to speak to his heart all the way back in, 19, I think it was 1954, that what happened was not just an accident. It didn't have to happen. And he said the reason why it happened was because he was in, this minister, was in the permissive will of God. The permissive will. If you're, you're taking notes, this will serve you to write this down. The permissive will of God and the perfect will of God, permissive, perfect, permissive, perfect. And out of that, the Lord spoke to him just in the car and said, you've been in the per- permissive will uh, that I have for your life, not the perfect will. And uh, he said, your arm is uh, not broken, uh, but there is, um, you know, dis- it's dis- disjointed or dislocated. And he said, at the doctor, they'll show you that, and they'll hold you for a little while, but then they'll let you go. I'll talk to you further about that. So they get to the, the hospital. They said, sure enough, it played out all like that. The doctor came in and said, it's not broken, but, you know, you, you did mess it up, you know, and there's some ligament damage and some, some things like that. And he said, you know, you'll have to, you know, take care of it and put it in a cast for about four weeks and wear it in a sling. And he said, okay. And he said, while well, he's sitting there in the, the hospital room, he said he was sitting there, and, you know, everybody else had to go home, and he was staying there for the night. And he said, I was getting a little lonesome, actually. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever been, been that way in a hospital room or just in somewhere else where you're a little lonely. And he said the door was open. He said I heard footsteps walking down the hall. And so I thought, well, you know, and, and, you know a nurse or somebody's coming in, you know, making rounds. And he said, in walk Jesus. Now, I've never seen the Lord. Um, I can't wait to. Just give him a big old hug. I love Jesus. But I've never seen him. I can't wait to. But I've never had the privilege of that. Uh, But he said he saw Jesus. And we see that in the the New Testament uh, through the book of Acts. And in the Gospels after his resurrection, people seeing him. But anyway... He said, the, the Lord walked in and he, and he told him. He said, now let me tell you about why this happened. He said, for you, there have been things I've been dealing with you about in ministry. And it was certain changes in his approach. In um, the, the Gospels and in the writings of Paul, we see different ministry offices. You have a pastor, uh, which is um, you know, a common thing that we see in churches. A pastor has to be apt to teach. They'll do the work of evangelists, but they're not a teacher and they're not an evangelist. They just do the work of those ministries because they're committed to a flock. Um, There's um, a specific place and a specific people. They're shepherds. And this is why, like in a church, every church and every shepherd has a voice. When you get in your church, it's not about who's in the church. Now, I pray you find people. But, but it's not about who's in the church or even the style of the church. It's when you get in that place, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And every pastor and every cho- church has a voice that's married to a people. And it's not just a pastor who's married to the church, but there are certain things that God will connect you to, sometimes for a season. As a believer, that's a steady voice in your life. And so they do the work in an evangelist. And out of that, people will receive the Lord. And there'll be altar calls. And they do the work of teaching like I'm teaching right now. But there's a commitment level. Um, And it's a safe thing. You need that. You need a pastor. Uh, But there's other ministry gifts. You have a teacher who's kind of like a pastor. They they, they teach a lot. And typically for a teacher, there's one subject they kind of major on. Um, that, you know, whenever they start to teach or preach, they just always find themselves going back to that. They, think of it like this a pastor's kind of a generalist, a teacher's a specialist. And so you have that, but then you have other offices. And uh, out of that, you have the office of a prophet or an uh, office of an apostle. An apostle um, is kind of like the thumb on a finger, it can touch every office. Uh, It can do the work of an evangelist and start a movement, but then after it can plant a church. It's effective in all the offices. It it can be prophetic. It can be teaching. Um, And so out of that, there's rank even to those offices, and there's honor connected to each one. And for this particular minister, they had started as a, um, a teacher. There was just a strong gift on them to teach. And out of that, people liked it and people, you know, valued it. Uh, But the Lord had been moving him and asking him to move into something more prophetic. Now, anybody who's overly anxious to be prophetic always alarms me. And that's the truth. Because when you're dealing with the prophetic in the Old Testament, if you said, thus saith the Lord, and it wasn't the Lord, they would stone you. (laughs) <laughs> Some, sometimes there's a part of me that wishes we could bring a little bit of that back. Not like, like stone you to death or anything, but like enough to get your attention. Uh, that when you're saying it's the Lord, it better be the Lord. Um, and so out of that, there should be a little, uh, you know, holy reverence for that office. Because in the office of a prophet, uh, you are saying, you are seeing and saying, for the Lord. And so, and, and two, there's a, a, for each dimension of these offices in grace, there's a price uh, that you have to pay uh, to, to come and, and really dive over into those things. And so out of this, he had been hesitant to kind of step into those things and wouldn't tell people about that. Jesus said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. Well, it's real hard to receive a prophet if you don't know you're dealing with one. And so the Lord had begun dealing with his heart to kind of talk about that a little bit more and to operate in those things because we need it. And even today, we need these ministries. We need strong evangelists. We need strong teachers. We need strong pastors. And we need strong prophets. We need all the ministry gifts. God's given us for the perfecting of the saints so that we, the saints, can do the work of the ministry. But he had been hesitant to operate in that. And the Lord, on several different occasions, had dealt with his heart to be more bold there. Um, and that was coming into his heart, but he was being unfaithful with it. Now, when, when God speaks to you in anything, you got two choices. You can be faithful, or you could be unfaithful. The unfaithful person in Matthew 25, what did the unfaithful steward do? He took what the Lord gave him, and he did nothing with it. You ever read Matthew 25, parable of the the talents, to one he gave five, to another one he gave two, and to another one he gave one? The one who he gave five to took it and did something with it. He honored it. He took it, and he put it to use and turned five into ten. Jesus comes to him and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with that which is little. Now I'll make you a rewarder of much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The man who had two talents, he came and said, what did you do with your two talents? He said, I turned two into four. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful, faithful servant. Uh, you've been faithful with that which is little. Now I'll make you a rewarder of much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He came to the guy who he gave one talent to, and he said, What'd you do with my talent? He said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you had not sowed and gathering where you had not strawed. And he said, I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the earth, and here it is. He did nothing with it. God gave him something, and he did nothing with it. And what he, he had been given, the Lord took it away. And he gave it to the guy who had 10. And Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of God works. Jesus said in another instance, I don't cast my pearls before swine. And somebody says, well, that sounds really rude. We're not pigs. And he was using an analogy that they would understand. If you give a pearl to a pig... It doesn't realize that there's anything different between that and a piece of corn. It doesn't honor it. It doesn't value it. It doesn't esteem it. It doesn't do anything with it. Um, And out of that, he's saying uh, in Matthew 25, and we see it with Abraham and the life of this man. When I put something in your heart, I didn't put it there just for convenience. I put it there for you to do something with it. And based off of you doing something with it has everything to do with me giving you the next thing. And if you're not faithful with the last thing, you're not ready. Come on, somebody. If you're not faithful with the last thing, you're not ready for the next thing. And so out of that, um, he told him that i had been putting those things in your heart to step out into those things. And this is often why people are disobedient, by the way. You lack the boldness to do it. One of the biggest barriers to people disobeying God is them absolutely leaving their comfort zone and facing their fear. If it doesn't slightly afraid, and you know, if there's not a fear barrier between the next the 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 the, the in your life right now that you're having to break through if there's not a fear barrier there, chances are you're, you're not hearing from the Lord like you should or you're not being faithful with it. Because every time God deals with my heart to do something, I always see the enemy's fear barrier. Step out and give that. Step out and say that. Step out and launch that. Step out and walk in that. It's like, but what if it fell? There's fear there. all. What if I miss it? What if they, like, I wasn't supposed to give it. What if they think I'm weird? What if they think I'm strange? Chances are on the other side of that fear in front of it is instruction from the voice of the spirit. And it's causing you to draw back. And so in order, this is why Paul said, of the two things Paul asked prayer for, you know what it was? Give me boldness and give me utterance. Pray for me that I may be bold. Yes. And when you go to disrupting family and you go to go disrupt like what Abraham's disrupting here, to leave family and to leave those things, you've got to be bold to leave the only land you've known. You've got to be bold to leave family. And it's real easy to take a, you know, your comfort blanket with you the one thing that's just comfortable with you, and be partially obedient. And whenever you're partially obedient, where you're not fully stepping in what God has called you to do, you will enter into what's called the permissive will of God. Because here's the thing about God. He's a gentleman, he's your father, and he loves you. But I wish sometimes he'd be a little bit more forceful. Because he won't make you obey him. He'll let you do what you want to do. And sometimes I just, could you just take away free will, Father? Like, could you just, like, not make me a free moral agent and just, like, command me and let me do whatever you want me to do? But you see, if he did that, you couldn't have love. Because the only way to have love is to give me option. Uh, Option reveals preference. Preference reveals what you love. And so God doesn't want robots. He wants sons and daughters who choose him. And so out of that, um, you know, but here he's got a choice. And he chooses to have Lot with him. And as long as Lot is with him, or as long as this minister was not operating in the prophetic like God called him to... And as long as you're not doing what God wants you to do, you will enter into the permissive will of God. It's like the children of Israel coming to God and saying, we want a king. Well, why do you want a king? Everybody else has a king, but I'm your king. We know, but we want to do it our way. And you know what God gave him? The Bible says he gave them their requests, but sent leanness unto their souls. Literally, from the time they asked for a king in 1 Samuel, all the way through the rest of time, they are in the permissive will of God. Not the perfect, David was the permissive will of God. Saul was the permissive will of God. Solomon was the permissive will of God. And somebody says, well, what does that mean? That means God will help you as much as he can. He will take you into a land. He'll take you back to Bethel. He'll give you some encounters at the altar like you could live a happy little life. But there are certain things that your ears will not hear and your eyes will not see until you make a decision to do what is in your heart and get out of the permissive will of God and into the perfect will of God. God will let you. He will let you. He'll let you betray him for 30 pieces of silver. He'll let you. He'll let you. Uh, He'll let you deny him, and he'll he'll give you the the 411 before you do and tell you, you will deny me. Before the, the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. Pray lest you enter into temptation, and he'll let you sleep. He'll even poke you and wake you up and be like, I'm telling you, pray lest you enter not in temptation, and he'll let you go back to sleep. But when I get in the permissive will of God, whether it's this minister or whether it was Lot, or whether it was Peter, or whether it was Judas, when I get into the permissive will of God, you know what I'm doing? I'm inviting pain into my life. When Peter got over into the permissive will of God's telling him, it is not my will that you deny me. Satan is trying to sift you like wheat. Pray! And when I get that word, and I don't do anything with it, and I fall asleep instead of praying, Um, That out of that, it doesn't make Jesus love me less. He will go on a rescue mission to redeem your life and get it back on track. Like that's how amazing God is. But there was a certain season of pain Peter walked through. And it wasn't because God didn't love him. It was because he was in the permissive will of God. And there was strife that Abraham walked through that he never would have had to walk through. And there were certain things in this story, Genesis 13, that Abraham lost that he never would have had to lose if he would have never taken Lot with him. And there were certain things that the sailors did and went through when they had Jonah on their boat. They didn't have to go through that storm. They didn't have to go through that moment. They didn't have to face all those things. But until they got the permissive will of God, God will allow Jonah to try to head in that direction. But until he got him off the boat, there were things that God wanted to do that their will would not allow him to do. And I just want to encourage you, like this is so big in my heart of like if God has spoken to your heart something and the Holy Spirit by his, his revelation has brought that to you, you've got to pay attention to it. And be a doer of the last thing that, so that God can show you the next thing. I really believe we are in a season of the next thing. Um, that for, for so many of you, you are leaving the last thing. It is God's will for you to leave the last thing and to get into the next thing. It's a season of transition. And I really sense like it's, it's almost that time where it's over. Like the new thing is right here. Um, And, you know, you hear it all the time, God's doing a new thing, and do you not perceive it? It's not all the time. There's seasons to God and rhythms to God. Uh, But out of that, I genuinely feel like so many of you, like you're in one thing, but God's trying to take you into this next thing. But there's certain things that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. And the reason why the eye has not seen it and the ear has not heard it is a lot is still in my life. The last thing God told me to do, I have been unfaithful with that thing. And, and if, I, if I remain unfaithful to this, and if I remain like a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, if I remain in this place where the rama of God, and rama is the word that God speaks to you, that the rama of God is lightly esteemed, unyielded to, uh, the, the reign of God is something that doesn't have my attention. And my eyes, like Peter walking on water, are off of Jesus and his word and distracted onto other things. That it forfeits the miracle that God wants me to see in this new season. And, and, and it doesn't let me see like everything you see, Abraham, I'm going to give it to you. Amazing! When did God show him that? After. After. He had separated himself from Lot. After he had this moment of saying, this thing is no longer going to be in my life, I will be faithful to Jesus, I will be faithful to the word. And, and out of this, like maybe you're in the season where you need to invite the grace of the Lord Jesus to help you get lot out of your life. Or to, to like Paul, like give, pray and give me boldness, God. Like I need boldness to step out into this. I need boldness to walk into this. I need boldness to fully gravitate towards this. Like you're in a season where, where maybe you need to pray and ask God to give you boldness to be faithful to this thing. But whatever it may be, like if if you have this stirring in your heart and this, this awareness in your heart to do something, I want to encourage you to be a doer of that word. The Lord began to deal with his heart about those specific moments in the hospital. He said, do you remember this moment? Do you remember that moment? Where there was like this stirring in your heart to move in that direction. He said, that was me. That was me. And he gave him a, a for instance, he said, do you remember when you sat down to go to that that big church? You know, he's a traveling minister, and you get invitations to to go to different places. And I've had this happen to me a lot, um, that, you know, here lately I'll get invitations to go to particular places or to be a part of certain things. And, you know, you get certain opportunities that, you know, are exciting. And you get certain things that when you get it, it's like, man, that would be amazing. And, and there's the flash that's involved there because, you know, they'll tell you they'll give you a certain amount of money. And then there's the flesh that involves there of like that would equal more exposure, like any of those types of things. And it'll play to the pride of life and the lust of things and all of those other types of things. And you have to crucify that. And and to really see, like, should I go there? Is this an assignment from the Spirit? Would I go for free? Which is why I tell every church whenever I go, I'll pay my own way. Um, Because if I'm coming to you, it's because the Lord told me to, so we'll pay for it. And I'll pay for my airfare, and I'll pay for the hotel. I'll come to you for free. I expect nothing. Um, Because if I'm going, it's because I'm sent And I I have that qualification in my heart. I'm not doing this for money. I'm not doing this for fame. I'm not doing it for filthy lucre. And somebody says, is money filthy lucre? No, money's a servant. But when you place a high value, so much so on money, that you're doing things solely for benefit, it'll take you out of the will of God in a heartbeat. And so out of, you have two masters. It's either God or money, he said. You've got to watch that spirit that comes with profit and mammon. It's, it, it can be, a, 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 it is the competitor for the Lord in our own heart. But anyway, he had this offer to go preach in this church. And it was a big church and he said, I was in financial need. And he said, I sat down, and like, I'm going to that church. Like, I need to go in that church. It'll be good for me. It could open up the door to more churches. He wasn't like a pastor. I have a consistent paycheck. He was a traveling minister. They make their living on going to churches. He's like, this would be great for me. And so this was, you know, 1950s, so it wasn't like email or like cell phones. It was letters. And so he's writing the letter. And he said, three times I sat down to write that letter to go to that church. And he said, every time after I wrote the letter accepting it, he's like, I I just knew, like, something's not right. I balled up the letter and threw it away. And he said, I sat down on three separate occasions to do that, but he said it was like there was something that was dead inside. Every time I thought about that, that's the phrase he used. It was dead inside. He said, it was like a cold feeling. Every time I thought about that, just something on the inside, just knew it wasn't right. And the Lord told him, he said, that was me. That was me trying to get your attention. And he said, the reason why is that church would not accept that type of ministry, talking about the prophetic ministry. That church would not receive you. And it would take you further over into the permissive will of God because they would see that teaching gift on your life. And out of that, it would reinforce that and take you down deeper that trail. They would not receive the prophetic. And he said, on the other hand, do you remember this other church? It was a smaller church that he also had an invitation to. But looking at it, it's like, oh, you know, even if I went, they might not be able to like pay and like, you know, it, that kind of thing. And I've, I've got to find jobs that actually pay rent. I've got a, a wife and kids and all these types of things. But he said, every time you thought about that, what did you sense on the inside? He's like, it just felt right. Like, I, I wanted to, to write him and tell him I couldn't come, but thank you for the invite. But he said on the inside, every time I thought about it, he just said it felt right. And he said, that that's because you should go to that church, and it will receive you. And he said, Lord, you know, I'd like to have more of that, like, or more than that. Like, give me something more than that. And he said the Lord took him to this passage of Scripture in the book of Acts. I'll close with this. I go over to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and let's look here in verse number 22. I'm sorry, Acts 27 and verse number 9. Paul is going to Rome. He's fulfilling his high calling. That's on his life. And on this way, he's a prisoner, but he's got a relationship with those who are uh, running the, the prison and the boat that they're transporting the prisoners on. And watch this in Acts 27 and 9. When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since even even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them and said to them, that being the the sailors and the the governor of the ship, men, I perceive, I've got that in parentheses, I perceive, not I saw a vision, Not uh, three angels appeared to me. I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but of our lives also. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than that being said of Paul. Now, let's just stop here. Here we see the witness of the spirit. And it's competing with the education of the flesh. And reason is taking them away from the witness. Paul has a witness in his spirit. The candle of the man, the spirit of, of the man is the candle of the Lord, the book of Proverbs said. Um, we read that a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about that in Romans chapter eight, that the spirit bears witness with your spirit. Paul wrote in the book of Acts he said in every city I go to the Holy Spirit witnesses to me that bonds and afflictions await me in Jerusalem we said a witness can only testify about what they know there's a knowing when you have a witness on something there's just a knowing I need to do this. I need to go there. We were talking about this story, me and my wife, the other day. There's a lady minister that, that we, we know and love, and she was talking about one day she was praying, and this person came up in, in her heart. It was her old, what was it, math teacher, English teacher? Math teacher. Math teacher, she lived in California. This person now lived, you know, she grew up in Oklahoma, though, so she's thinking about, like, she's in her 40s, and she's thinking about this, you know, math teacher she had when she was in junior high. And just came up in her heart. And just a knowing, like, I should pray for them. But she started and, and that knowing came and she just started thinking about them. Uh, and, you know, didn't really pray about them. Just, you know, man, I just I hadn't thought about them in a long time. Just had that kind of come up and go out. And she said about a week later, her sister called her. And she said, did you hear about so-and-so? You talking about the math teacher. And she said, no. She said, I didn't hear anything about him. And she said, I was thinking about him a week ago. She said, I hadn't thought about him in decades. And he just came up in my heart. And she thought, was it he committed suicide? Was that what it was? He had committed suicide on the very day that he came up in her heart. There's a knowing. See, so many times when it comes to hearing from God, we're looking for the spectacular, and all the while we're missing the supernatural. There's a witness, a knowing. Funny enough, that same day, me and my wife, um, we we were talking, and she said, you know, just a couple of hours later, she said, so and so, you know, she mentioned them. They've been on my mind. I said, They've been on my mind. And it's just a random person that both of us have in common. Well, these things come up in our hearts all the time where God is trying to arrest our attention to reach out to people, arrest our attention to pray, arrest our attention to yield, arrest our attention to stop. But we don't do it. Why? Well, I shouldn't say we don't. You will in the name of Jesus, and so will I. But, but out of this, why don't people do it? Because of this right here. We let our flesh... And we let our minds convince us to ride past the knowing and witness of our spirits. And out of this, it cost us. Because here, God is trying to keep uh, uh, Paul in the perfect will of God. And he's about to get over in the permissive. And out of this, he doesn't have an option. He's a prisoner. But he's trying to tell these people, we should not get on this boat. And they're like, why? He's like, I perceive. This is not going to go well. Like, there's something in me that knows we do not need to go here. There's something in me that knows this is not right for us, this is not good for us, and we should listen to it, but they don't. And you know the story, they go out there and they almost die. Like, it is awful. And Well, we can just read it for fun. Verse 14, but before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind, And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, we gave way to it, letting ourselves be driven along, running under the shelter of a small island called Claudia. We were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. And they had hoisted it up and used supporting cables and undergirding the ship and fearing that they might run aground in the shallows of the S-place. They let down the sea anchor and in this way let themselves be driven along. The next day we were being violently stormed off. This sounds awful. They began to jettison the cargo and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And since th- the storm was so bad they didn't know if it was day or night. Since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small storm was assailing us from then on all our hope of being saved was gradually abandoned and when for a long time they had gone without food paul stood up in the midst and said men i love this it's like captain obvious men you ought to have followed my advice and not set sail from crete and incurred this damage and loss Yet now I urge you to keep your courage for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship for this night an angel of God, but whom I, I love this, whom I belong and who I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must. Life is driven by mission. Life is driven by purpose. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep your courage, men, for I believe, God, that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. He went through something in his life that it was never God's will for him to go through it. How did he end up there? Because God put something in his heart and people were unfaithful to it. And it took his life through a a dark place that it never had to go through. And I I said all of this to say, like, if there has been something that's just been stirring in your heart not to do, or something in your heart to do, the not to do because of, you know, I want to hold it because of the pain of letting it go, or I want to do it, but the fear of facing it, the fear of walking through it, the fear... of of like taking that step of faith is keeping me in the boat. That God will, will take you as far as he can take you with lot in your life. But there are certain things that he will not be able to show you and certain things that he will not be able to say to you until that thing is out of your life or that thing is done. It brings us into the next thing, but it also keeps us from the turmoil and the chaos that the enemy would love to bring into our lives. And I just want to encourage you to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, to yield yourself to the direction of the Spirit. And if there is something he is asking you to do, to be open to it. And so what I want to do tonight to just close service is, is, Mallory, I just want you to kind of play on the keys just for a minute. And and I just want us to sit still and, and you don't have to stand. Just sit there with your phone or sit there with, um, you know, a, a pen and pad and just open up your heart and say, Holy Spirit, is there something I need to do? Is there something... That I need to change. Or maybe like the story of Lot, there is so much kind of chaos popping up from this. It's like, "Ah, I already know what it is. (laughs) I already know exactly what I need to do and and what I need to walk away from. Uh, That out of this, you make a decision of like, I am not going to spend my life in the permissive will of God. I will be in the perfect will of God. I will be faithful. I will be obedient. I can look back at several different instances of my life, especially when I was a young man, where there were certain moments and certain people that came into my life that I knew if I followed it, it would lead me down a path that would take me away from the purpose that God had for my life. And I remember the pain of letting those things go and making a decision to separate myself from those things. And then I can also look at my life and with everything God has ever asked me to do from, from start a 6 p.m. service to build phase one of Lakeland, build phase two of Lakeland, take on multiple campuses. With every one of those things, there was always a wall of fear where I felt like I wouldn't be good enough, I wouldn't be enough. It would be too much for my ability, too much for my public speaking ability, too much for my, myself. Thinking I wouldn't be enough, not seeing that God is always more than enough, that if it be of God, no person can stop it, including yourself. <laughs> And in those moments, every time I've stepped out of the boat, I've seen the hand of the Lord and his grace and his goodness, so much so that, like Peter, it just leaves me in awe and at his knees saying, God, you're so faithful. But there was never not once that barrier, barrier fear. And some of you, that is what you have been facing. Like God is telling you, it's time to step out. And you like being underexposed. You like sitting on the sidelines, and God is saying, like, you've been trained, and it's been good, but it's time for you to get in the game. And you're coming up with all these reasons why you're not enough, and why you can't right now, and why it's time for you to not, well, we'll let them do it, and they'll do it, and they'll do it, and you think so little of yourself. God is calling you up higher and saying like everything in this last season was preparation for everything I have for you in this next season but until you break through that fear and be a doer of what I called you to do you will live in that permissive will and you think it's safe but it's not you're not stepping out because you think it's safer not to friend you are inviting chaos because when God tells you to do something and you don't do it to you it is sin And when God has put something on your heart to do and you choose and knowingly choose not to do it, there is never a time where that happens where you are not giving place to the enemy inviting some type of chaos into your family, into your marriage, into your ministry, and into your life. And so this is a night where we just say, you know what? Whatever God's asking me to do, I will be faithful to do it. And whatever God is asking me to let go of, I will let go of it by his grace. And whatever God is asking me to step into, by the power of the Spirit of God, I will have the boldness and the tools I need to step into my high calling and to transition out of my last season into my next season in Jesus' name. So let's just have a moment tonight where we open ourselves up to God's spirit and we just yield ourselves to him. Um, We're not afraid of stillness and quiet. We don't have to be loud all the time. So let's just take three or so minutes just to sit in stillness and Mallory just play whatever the Lord puts on your heart to play and then we'll end with song and a hymn. But well, let's just open ourselves up tonight to the spirit of the Lord. Father, we come before you. And Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus. That we are your sons and we are your daughters. And that you will lead us and guide us. And so, Father, we just create space for you right now. In our hearts and in our lives to open ourselves up to instruction. And we just say, speak, Lord. For we, your sons and daughters, are listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this podcast has helped you spiritually, we're asking if you can help us naturally by sending in a gift or becoming a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc.